Careful what you putting in your ears now. Hard to hear the truth, cause the lie talk real loud. We yelling Jesus, they yelling chill out. Nah, but you can tell them that we here now. We here now, we here now, we here now. We here now, we here now, we here now. Tell them that we here now, we here now, we here now. We here now, we here now, we here now. We here now. Episode 8, yes, BGM. Yes, sir. We're here now. Mm-hmm. The opening says, it's hard to hear the truth because the lies talk real loud. Mm. <laughs> so um, we, being myself, Eric, and my co-host, Mike. Yes, sir. Here, being present at all times. Mm-hmm. is actually a double entendre, mm-hmm. listening, being here. And also listening to everything and now, mm. you know, because this moment is pretty much the only thing that's promised. Now is the only thing that's promised. Talk to him. All right. So, um, like I said, I'm Eric. My Instagram is E underscore says. Got my man, Mike. I got you a new new name, Mike. Um, okay. Morning message, Mike. MMM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you Deli Doms before, but uh, now yeah, I got MMM, yeah. MMM like uh, money making Mitch. Woo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, sir. All right. Um, the title of this episode, BGM. Yeah. What What does it mean? BGM. They say it means black girl magic. And um, one of my favorite words, personify. I love using that word. I love that word. What does personify mean to personify something? And the person that we have the honor sitting next to is a queen who did personify black girl magic. It's going to be good today. How you feeling? I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, we got a, a very special guest today. Uh-huh. Um, Janelle, uh, a mother, uh-huh. a daughter, H U. Graduate. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, I got. Hopefully, I said that right. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't off on that. And and with it being, um, if you could, I guess, start off with introducing yourself, and also speaking to uh, what BGM or Black Girl Magic means to you. Yeah. So, I mean, you already said my name. So, my name is Janelle. Uh, my Instagram name is Nelly, and there's some underscores in here, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about black girl magic, I mean, I think about today really in the historical, um, events of the presidential election and just, um, vice president elect, um, Kamala Harris, right. Mm-hmm. That comes to mind. And it's just really all the, the young, um, African-American girls who are killing it in their areas, regardless on what it is. Right. It's just really owning our stuff and making history every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking on the vice president, Kamala Harris, and speaking on you, going to the HU, some heavy hitters with there, uh, Felicia Rashad, Tony Morrison, you yourself. Is, uh, can you talk to us a little bit in regards to what made you pick Howard to go there? So, I mean, first and foremost, I, I feel truly blessed to be able to 
go to college um, mm-hmm. and being able to go to a historically black mm-hmm. um, institution. Um, honestly, I'll say college wasn't, I guess my, my parents, I'll say that, didn't necessarily go to college. So mm-hmm. my mom did one semester in Temple and not really having that to look forward to, I didn't really know the process or understand what it meant to, to look for colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that in high school and really for me, um, growing up, going to predominantly white schools, um, although Central was pretty diverse, mm-hmm. was really looking for a school where I could be around people who look like myself. Awesome. Right? Um, and that is really uh, one of the main reasons why I chose an HBCU. And then going on some college tours, um, I was able to visit Morgan State, mm-hmm. um, Delaware State, Spelman. Um, we went to Morehouse. Of course, I couldn't go to Morehouse. But um, just kind of being able to go to the various different schools. Um, Howard was really my first choice. Um, I mean, it was a prestigious mm-hmm. um, HBCU, and, and I wanted to be a part of that legacy. Awesome. I was I was about to ask you, um, how about Cheney, that being the first ever HBCU, and, and Lincoln being the first ever HBCU that granted uh, degrees, was that uh, ever a thought of yours? But after naming them juggernauts, <laughs> uh, nah, I won't ask. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Makes right. sense to me. <laughs> exactly. so, Beautiful. Yeah. So you, um, you touched on the, the fact that you, so you went to Sh- Central High School in mm-hmm. Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Um. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in in Hunting Park because you, you went to Central High School and, and while you're while you're explaining while you're touching on growing up in Hunting Park and what that did for you if you could touch on um, at that time did you consider any girls to have black girl magic or anything like that? So um, I will go back on the Cheney um, because my uncle did graduate from Cheney. And see I could, you? yeah, I could see him saying like, "Wait a minute, what yeah. about me?" Right, like, no, right. um, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I respect um, any student um, who went or still go to um, any of our HBCUs, whether it's Cheney, Lincoln, or um, any of of the others. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, living in Hunting Park and then going to Central High School, I mean. <laughs> It's kind of, it's difficult to, to describe because, I mean, for me, you know, it was just really going to high school, but I guess understanding that everyone in our neighborhood didn't have the opportunity to, to go to uh, that particular magnet school. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Were you sheltered, you know? Oh, you... oh, oh, most definitely. <laughs> I used to have to ask to go to the tiny store, and then I, I used to plan it out, like, okay, well, such and such comes home about this time, right, right. so now I need to go ask mom, can I can I go to the tiny store, please? Right. So, uh, definitely sheltered. I mean, you can probably tell how super awkward I am right now, but I'm getting there. Cool. Um, but I think in terms of going to Central, um, I don't know, like, it's kind of hard... It's really hard to describe. Like I said, it although I lived in Hunnam Park, going to Central, like I, I didn't feel any particular way, I guess, about it. Um, in terms of Black Girl Magic, 
being um, in Central with other African-American uh, females, I mean, it just feels good. Mm-hmm. It feels good to be around like-minded people. Um, it feels good when your friends are your inspiration. Like, mm-hmm. like one of my closest friends, like super smart, super intelligent, like top of our class, like very driven. Um, just to be around people like that who inspire <coughs> you is amazing. Okay. Um, and I was just, like I said, glad to be a part of that. Okay. And you talked about your friends, but was there anyone else that um, just, just kind of stood out as magical to you? And, it, and again, it could it could have been um, anyone, but so, someone who you aspired to be like. So, so growing up, to, to be completely honest, um, mute losing Shannon at such a early age. I mean, she was really my inspiration. I, you know, and who was Shannon? Shannon was my sister. Uh, uh-huh. she, she passed away, uh, right before my 11th birthday. Um, she was killed by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like the grit that she had. Mm-hmm. And I think that really kind of also taught me to be real, really driven and ambitious and just kind of like go after things. And I remember that so vividly. I feel like that kind of inspired me or, or at least gave me the motivation to, to keep pushing on even when things got tough. Um, and when I say when things get tough, just, you know, when I'm, when I'm going through something and I feel really challenged, it was just kind of the, the grit that I'm, I was just familiar, uh, it was familiar for me, I guess, to seeing her is just kind of what really just kind of kept me going. Okay. Yeah, and I, I asked just so everyone else knew who she was, but I, I'm very familiar with who Shannon is, and she definitely was one of the most beautiful girls in Hunting Park or in, in the city, period. Um, and um, she was that, just that, you know, just knowing her, um, she was very driven. Uh, she was a part of the police department. Um, and she, she was definitely an, an inspiring, um, person. And for you to have that firsthand, um, interaction with her is something, one, I never knew, I never knew you lived, <laughs> I never knew you were, you were there, but that was, um, that, that's, uh, thanks for sharing that. That's, 100%. That's, um, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I appreciate it as well. Um, I wanted to definitely ask you, and you kind of just you kind of just answered that question, but I'll still ask you if you have a, a different answer. Just how were you able to uh, just channel in and, and focus with the consistency needed um, in your environment and growing up in Hunter Park? Is this uh, people who for people who don't know, Hunter Park is in Philadelphia, and it's uh, uh, you know it's infested and contaminated with drugs, murder, and mayhem. So listening to you speak of your sister and, and, and that was a source of your aspirations. What was it anything else that really made you become um, a successor of your ambitions? Oh, definitely Valerie Harmon. Like, mm-hmm. did, did we not <laughs> speak to her to begin with? Okay. Um, you know, she, she really, um, and who was that? Oh, so that's my mother. Um, Queen mother. Yes. Yeah. So she, education was her thing. Right. Yeah. So it was Okay. You're gonna go to this. You're gonna go to school, right? Mm-hmm. And when I brought home an eighty, okay, why didn't you get that A? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means I need to work a little harder, right? The next time, to to make sure I get that A. Um, and I would say, just in general, both parents, 
you know, being able to to take me out of the neighborhood and see other things, right? Uh So traveling was definitely a big part of my life growing up. Um, And just being able to see and experience other things to know that, okay, my environment is not everything. Uh Um, I think that's important. And just being able to have those different experiences, I think, really helped me realize, like, okay, yes, this is where I live, but this doesn't necessarily mean you know this is who I am and this is what I'm limited to Uh and I think um that was really helpful to not feel like I had those limiting barriers so I I think that's pretty huge I I always feel like um if you can see it you can be it and that's that's just exposure is one of the main things that and in raising my girls I want to make them aware of much more than I was ever aware of and I Uh think um that gives them um, something to aspire to, to your point. Exactly. So can, can you just touch on a little bit what some of those things were? Oh, um, so growing up, um, one of the first things was I didn't go to school in Hunnam Park. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up going to a couple different schools, but uh, I went to Catholic school out here in West Philly, but I also went to Alden Elementary, and I joined the Girl Scouts there. And I just remember, like, my mom even after end up going back to school up in the Northeast area, my mom's still making sure that I kept those contacts. So in Girl Scouts, I mean, we did so much between like camping and all kinds of things. Um, definitely community outreach and mm-hmm. um, going to, to various neighborhoods and, and, you know, participating in different activities that way. But I just remember, um, being really involved in the Girl Scouts and participating in those various activities and just really um, getting exposure that way. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the other piece of it was just traveling and, you know, going to, to different places. Um, we had some friends who lived in Philadelphia but moved down to North Carolina. And I remember, you know, taking those road trips down there to see them and spending weeks down there. My mom would come back and she'd like, you know, stay down there for the summer, you know, enjoy some time away. So just various things like that, I think, kind of really helped shape um, or get get exposure to other things. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I got to say something. And it's probably going to shake some people. And I, I really mean uh, all good intentions. So a part of me understands black girl magic. A part of me loves black girl magic. But another side of me doesn't because it's like when I hear it, listening to you, knowing you, listening to you, it's like I don't even want to kind of say black girl magic because it takes away from the humanism that I I, I view you, you as. So it's like. What I'm hearing from you, your, your upbringing, the things you did, and how you just viewed the world, it's like you're not only successful because you're black, and it doesn't it, it doesn't give me more self gratification saying you're successful only because you're black. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it's like before you're black, before you're African American, you're a human who pit in some heavy work you feel what i'm saying you're a human who decided yeah this is where i live but this is not where i'm at you know what i'm saying so for me just that level of thinking psychologically uh spiritually physically just the way you embody life or allow life to embody you it kind of like struggles me the wrong 
straddles me the wrong way. Nah. Almost like when we was talking about Black Lives Matter. It's like, yeah. uh, you minimize it. It's just like, oh, who's that? Oh, she's Janelle. She's, you know, she's double masters from Howard. Oh, black girl magic. No, woman magic. You know what I'm saying? Human magic. You just know what I'm saying? magical in general. And that, right, that, and right. That's kind of what she's, um, and that's a great point, Mike. Mike and um, I appreciate you sharing the blueprint Mm-hmm. That your mom laid down, because you know? your mom must have seen something, and she she knew there were different things that I need to different game I need to give you. Um, I don't need to give you glitter. I need to give you gold. Mm. Yep. You know, not just the flashy things. I need to give you something that you're gonna um, see as value, and here it is now today. Yep, <laughs> you gain um, great extreme value. Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, it's interesting. So, um, Janelle. Do you think Afro American women uh, get the respect and are valued for? Yeah, so just 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 touch <laughs> on that before, because I, I, I was about to go on to something else. But yeah, yeah do you, do you feel like um, women, and then just talk about yourself uh-huh. um, being valued? Yeah, so I mean, I think in general, right, we. We have, and I can't think of the terminology, it's not coming to my head, right? But, I mean, we have to face the fact that we're a woman and, you know, the, the I don't want to say discrimination, but, you know, what comes along with that. And then also being African-American, right? So, you know, we kind of have like double, um, like a double strike against us mm. before we even open our mouth. Mm. And I, you know, that's something that we have to deal with on an everyday basis, like regardless, you know, um, I think for me, you know, I experienced it in corporate America. I mean, no one has ever blatantly said something to me where I had to be super, um, defensive or really had to like hone in and protect something. Um, (laughs) But I mean, the, the microaggressions, that's real. Yep. The, the little things, like, you hear it, you see it, right? When I go into work, you know, I try to slick my hair down, right? Because, you know, being natural in corporate America is just becoming a thing. It's not, like, a widespread thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't be something that I have to think about, but right. it is something that I have to think about, right? Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a lot of work in this space that's needed across uh-huh. America um, completely. And I, I think totally on whoever it is, I think um, we've been conditioned uh-huh. a certain way. Um, yeah. So can you touch on a little bit about um, how you feel about how African-American women are portrayed in hip hop, reality TV shows or Hollywood? Like, how do you how do you feel about that? Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whew. I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I feel like we, we're doing things or portraying ourselves to a certain extent in a way um, that's that's not really deal, a way that's not really pushing our culture forward um, because, right, we're trying to get out of our, our neighborhoods, right? And we're trying to say, like, okay, well, in order for me to get this check, I got to do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. And, and I mean, I, I really don't think that it's ideal um, for our young girls to, to look or aspire to, to be these women. Um, I mean, I think 
changes needed um, as it relates to like the reality TV and how African American women are portrayed. I mean, and Mike, I'm sorry. I just I just need to mention this. So you mentioned the bath, you know, mm-hmm. and and that, that's that's <laughs> where all of our yeah. values lie in. You 100%. know, if, if we if we don't start with the value, the highest value being money, all that changes. Right. If it, if it, you, like you said, you gotta I gotta get that check. Uh-huh. Then you're gonna do whatever you need to do to get that check. When you when you talk about, I'm gonna I'm take a still some. Um, Lines from man, Mike. When you talk about love and mm-hmm. honor and dignity and respect, yeah. if those are your things that you hold high. Right. You're talking about a different TV screen. You're talking about right. different videos. You're talking about different things that's going on in Hollywood. 100%. They only feed the beast. <sighs> they they feed they supply the demand. If you want to see that, they're gonna give it to you. Yep. And if that's what our women are doing, and yeah. that's what our men want to see from our women. Then that's what you're going to continue to see. So I just I, yeah. I wanted to mention that. I hate the bag. Yeah. I hate the bag. <laughs> I hate it. You and love the bag, man. Yeah, you are the bag. You are the jury. So it's like right. we chase the bag, but then what happens when they take the bag? Right. The bag is really the the bag is something they can't take. You feel what I'm saying? And um, just to really just quickly tap into um how African American women are portrayed. It's um, it's disgusting to me, right? It's just disgusting that the only image our young African American women have is in order us uh, in order for you to be successful or to make it or to get the bag is you got to go on reality TV and act belligerent, right? You have to be you know in Hollywood movies and sexualized. You know you have people like Holly Berry who great movies, but you get an Oscar when you got to get half naked. You right. know what I'm saying? Oh, it's right. it's disgusting. Yeah. I it's, sleep it's, with a white man. Yeah, yeah. Yep. it's right. disgusting. Right. It's it's disgusting. And and uh, hip hop it's like you dial back to hip hop. We go from Queen Latifah, mm-hmm. MC first. Light, yeah. to, to things going on, to WAP, 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 whatever it's called. And it's like, I listen to some of them, some of them lyrics, and, and, and I was telling some of my friends, like, yo, if I walk into the house and I hear my daughter listening to that, I don't know what I'll do, right? But um, thank God for people like you, Janelle, honest to God, because you've become symbolic of purpose and success for that little girl uh, that's growing up. And, and that really just um, propels me to ask you, how does it feel you having a daughter that she doesn't have to look anywhere? She doesn't have to uh, uh, look for inspiration. She doesn't have to aspire to be like no one, find no one, because that living example is right in front of her by you. How do you feel like you you won. <laughs> you are the bag. <laughs> How do you feel? Um, I mean, to be completely honest, one, I, I feel like I still have work to do, right? So when mm-hmm. you say success, I'm still like, mm, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's quite a few things that I feel like I have yet to accomplish. Okay. And while I am here for Peyton and, you know, I will be that role model for her, I want her to look at other people, right? There are other people out here who have um, who have skills and knowledge and things that's far beyond what I can offer her. Mm. You know, I want her to be able to tap into to that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it'd be limiting to a certain extent to 
to just focus on mom or, or dad, but, you know, just being out there and like, like I said, looking at other role models, um, folks with other skills and things to offer. Yeah. No, 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 I don't, I hear that. That's cool. Yeah. But do you understand yeah. The impact. Get at her. I'll just let her smile. Get at her. Matter of fact, let me get at her real quick. Let me get at the queen. So number one, right? When I when I say you're successful already, I mean that unmaterialistically, right? You you have, in my opinion anyway, I have seen for quite some time that you have, you know, reached that horizon of freedom mentally, right? So you're mentally free. So I know through your mental freedom, you will then be able to be spiritually free, physically free. And then, you know, making that or or, or marrying that with the idea of everything starts at home. It's not about TV. It's not about the environment. It's mom is the superstar. Mom is the hero. So those two things, it's like, I don't care what anyone says. I don't I don't see no level of success greater than that, that I'm the living example. And I've already I've I've reached that. I've breached that wall. Right. Of an excuse. That's the biggest thing for me. We come from the same place. And typically men, we make excuses. Oh, I couldn't do this because my mom was this. My, my dad was that. You know, the environment is this. And live an example. Yo, I was there with you. <laughs> Yo, I was there with you. Yeah, okay, maybe your mom and dad didn't take you to the camps or to the schools. But the reality is, yo, I heard them gunshots like you. I seen them drug dealers like you. I heard them helicopters like you. So you have to have that level of focus. You feel what I'm saying? You got to have that level of focus. And on top of that, growing up as a kid, E always tells me, it starts at home. It starts at home. Yo, you don't, I mean, not you, speaking of generalities, people don't understand how much that's impactful. When you're waking up and you see mom, you see dad, you see your parents, and, and then you you get to learn what they did and what they've gone through. That's a that that's a level of uh, success that you know you can't buy, you can't get. So so that's what I mean to bring all that back. I was taking it easy on the A. I ain't gonna just lie no more, man. No, no. <laughs> so and, and yeah, I just I just want you to kind of um, talk a little bit about what it is who who you are because you're, you're humble. I appreciate that. Um, if you could talk a little bit, even if you just talk about what you graduated in from Howard. Mm. Um, where you were at in Central, I don't, I don't know um, where you graduated in your class. I don't know what your SAT scores were. If you could talk a little bit about that, and that's, I'm talking about just from an educational standpoint, um, for Peyton to have that example to lean on, um, somebody that could speak to all the things that you just spoke about. I, I say the same thing to Keisha. You, you have to be able to celebrate your successes, mm-hmm. and, and I get it. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, there should be others to look at, but if you don't build that strong foundation at home, to Mike's point, then they don't know how. If they don't have that foundation, then they don't know what to take from those other things. Sure, sure. Um, so I guess to talk a little bit about myself, and guess that does feel super awkward to me. Um, <laughs> but so I went to Howard and studied psychology. Because I just have that natural curiosity around people and how and why we do things, kind of really understanding our our motivation. Um, 
But I also studied business administration because I also just really had that natural interest in business and and how that all works together. Um, When you talk about, like, my strengths and weaknesses and things like that, um, my strengths really um, revolve around analytics and strategy, right? Oh, that spawn thing? Okay. Um, and, and really being able to capitalize on on that has has helped me really navigate, I guess, where I am today. And what I mean by that is, so I work in human resources management, which allows us, allows me to really touch the people and really help influence how we do things for our people. Um, but just in the the nature of society, a lot of it's around the the analytics, the, the the data piece of it, and understanding. Okay, well, what does our statistics tell us? What what does the numbers tell us? Because that helps us uh, make decisions and things um, to to really impact our people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of explains, I guess, a little bit about my field. But just in terms of navigating life, you know, I just really always took that strategic strategical stance meaning like when I started central my grades were probably the worst that they ever were right because I had to learn okay what is the strategy I need to succeed at central right to to graduate right that's the process you went through exactly Uh and the same thing happened at Howard I mean I got my only C at Howard my freshman year only C yep and that was because hold on yeah. <laughs> so, so, so how many years did you spend at Howard? Four. And you got, did you get a D or? No. Okay. No. So your only C. My only C was freshman year. Okay. Four years at Howard. I just want you to know. <laughs> Talking about something. Peyton going to be looking somewhere else. No, I'm uh, sorry. I didn't mean to man. No, 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 no. Go no. ahead. But I, mean go ahead. I guess what I'm trying to uh-huh. stress is I didn't go in with the master plan. I didn't uh-huh. feel like. I necessarily had all the tools and things I needed to hit the ground running on day one. It was really going into my environment, understanding what it takes or what do I need to do in order to be successful and mm-hmm. really seeing it through. And I feel like I, I kind of use that approach even to this day where it's like, okay, I'm here now. We're here now. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's, our, what's that next step? What do I need to do to execute? And it's really about putting together that strategic plan and understanding that 10 years ago when I graduated from Howard that I didn't have this all planned out. It wasn't all figured out, but it was really just understanding, taking the inputs you know, each step of the way to really determine what my next step was going to be. Mm. Your life in analytics. And you know that's the, that's the <laughs> new thing. With uh, football and basketball yeah. and baseball, everybody's using um, analytics now. Yeah, I know um, I might need you to come over to my job just for like a day <laughs> for human resources because I'm I'm on the verge of being terminated. I already oh, know no. this. Oh, no. no, don't say that. No, I mean, listen, my manager, he's had enough of me. He said, he, he said, Mike, listen, I need you to just, just go get your black leather Kango. You're a Black Panther. We get it. We're done. You're done here. This is not your film. I don't know if the analytics would right. say exactly. bring you on. If that's 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and um, you, you said your first study was psychology. How much, do you, um, how much does trauma play a part in today, you think, in, in terms of our culture, in, in our community? We know that it's really big right now with men because of the Charlemagne's and, and those guys really pushing it forward. But what about the woman? How much trauma do women go through they don't speak about and how does that play into their livelihood you you think anyway or believe anyway i'm sorry yeah i mean i think trauma is definitely very apparent um mm-hmm. in the lives of african-american women um like i said just kind of what i discussed earlier about mm-hmm. being a female being mm-hmm. african-american you know and that's before you even open your mouth to speak right you you have to you have to deal with all of that the microaggressions in the workplace um you know that's a lot but even i would say right now with working from home and virtual schooling and a lot i mean that's a lot to unpack and to deal with and while i can't speak for for every african american woman or woman in general i mean it's a lot it it, it wears on you um but I think uh, one of the newer things that I've been kind of paying a lot of attention to um, is mindfulness and just uh. the, the various activities to, to be in a moment, to breathe, to, you know, to focus on one thing, to clear your mind and how important that is um, for you to really, you know, be able to, to press on, to, to work another day, to homeschool another day, right? Uh. Um one of the the biggest things you know for for me is me time like i need me time mm-hmm. like and you can tell when i i'm not getting me time because i i mean i feel like you know myself in a different form so um while i, I do i guess i can't speak to the 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 rates of trauma of across um our gender and our gender and what we're facing. Mm-hmm. I can speak to my experience and yeah. how, you know, I really think we need to um, just really lean into, like I said, mindfulness activities that we can do at home. I mean, go into therapy if you really think that that's what you need um, and do it without stigma, of course, right? You can go speak to a therapist and not oh, be... Oh, you can do that without stigma? <coughs> right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, real quick, I, I, I don't mean yeah. to cut you off, but I just, I definitely want to build on what Mike said, and if you could touch on growing up and seeing how people dealt with or didn't deal with trauma, and then how, how you think that should change, especially in the communities where we come from. Sure. Right? You're talking about me time. I don't know if people know me, Tom. Right, you know? right. So, I mean, so yeah, if you, could, if you could talk a little yeah, bit about that. That's that's very real. So, um, I'll, I guess I'll share an experience about the the trauma in growing up. Um, when my sister passed away, um, she was actually, she was a second sibling I had lost by this time. Mm. My mom took me to a grief, a grief therapist. Mm. Please... Uh, and I'm just kind of throwing this out there, how many folks you know who've lost someone and did not go to any type of mm-hmm. grief counselor or therapist yeah. after that? And it, I'm going to raise my hand. So I've never even, I've never <laughs> even heard of that. Right, yeah. I, honestly. And how many people have you lost? Yeah. Yeah. I've, so I, that was a... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the, the, That's whole, wild. The, the whole point is, 
you know, I remember like Miss Mary Beth and I remember drawing with crayons and really talking and really unpacking, you know, Mm -hmm. how I was feeling after losing my sister. And I know that's not an opportunity that most of us are fortunate to get. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we we all probably know the statistics on how many African-Americans are losing their lives in Philadelphia alone in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then you you compound that with how many folks who are not going to seek therapy after they lose someone. I mean, that's, I mean, it's a very small piece of trauma and what others may be experiencing. But I think that just goes to show that, you know, we're really not um, utilizing those type of mental health resources Uh, like we we should. Awesome. Do you you think, um, when did you recognize that though? When did you recognize that, the thing, all the things that you said you got, all the game that your mother gave, all the jewels that you got, when did you realize that that wasn't a regular thing? Probably in college. I was going to say. So, yeah, Pro- so. yep, probably in college. Um, one of the classes that really stuck out to me was, the. it was either the Black Experience or the Black Experience in America. I can't remember the exact name of the class, but just really learning about institutional um, racism and just really learning about how it's built into our structure and how, you know, we're not set up to win. Mm. And it wasn't until then, oh, and then reading about Willie Lynch and just you know, those things kind of really stuck out to me. And honestly, it, sh- it shouldn't have been, you know, in college when I first learned that hey, these aren't resources that are available to everyone or utilized um, by everyone, right? Because if you don't even know they're available, how can you use them, right? Right. Um, It's sad, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm grateful that I went to an HBCU. And it's one of the reasons why I will preach to anyone who's willing to listen about, you know, going to an HBCU and, and some of the benefits. Yeah, and I, I just, um, I struggle with that a lot because uh, I, I moved to Delaware County to take, um, because of the school districts were better. And then one of the things that my, my oldest daughter came to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lay, lay down the best things that I can for her. I give her all the exposure and everything like that. And then when the social unrest started to happen um, and she started to recognize social injustices, she said that she doesn't have anybody that she can relate to. Uh. So that kind of that I struggle with that even still now, and I, I talked to you about she wanted to go to she looked at Howard, but she wanted to go to a small school, yep. and then she was like, uh, we went to some I think it was Lafayette. Lafayette has seventeen hundred kids, and she was like, oh that's I think that's too many, and I was like, well mm, Howard has about ten thousand, <laughs> so I don't yeah. think you want to go there. Um, I want you to I, if you could, I hate to jump right into this like this, but your father. Um, can you talk about how important it is for men to be in their daughter's lives? So if you could kind of mix that with your relationship with your father, and can you talk to men about how important it is to be in their daughter's lives? Oh, most definitely. Um, my father is like my best friend, and um, it's just really um, – it's it's interesting, I guess, our relationship to, to describe. Um, my father has taught me so much over the time, 
over, I guess, over the years. I mean, him and my mom uh, separated when I was much younger, but you couldn't tell me that I didn't have a, a two-parent family because mm. he was always just a phone call away. And when I mean just a phone call away, like, Dad, I'm experiencing something and I might need to go to the doctor. Guess what? He was on the road. He was coming to pick me up, right? So um, being there, I think, is important for for men because right that's my first introduction to having a relationship with a man Uh. and the way he shows up and you hear shows up right because that's even still today you know if I call dad dad's you know he's a hop skip and a jump away if I needed him um I mean I I don't know it's just I'm I guess I'm lost for words because of how close we are um, and how even times we bump heads, you know, just talking about things. But I always appreciate his perspective. Um, he He's taught me, like, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and having plan B and C. Uh, and he's just bars. talk about somebody who, who's <laughs> giving you some game. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, he's just taught me so much, especially about, like, um, being financially savvy and just all of those things. I mean, like my dad is literally like my best friend. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Can you, can you, and can you talk? Oh, well, I guess that's, that's you mm-hmm. talking to people about how important it is for. Yeah. And just being dependable. It's just having that person that you know is always going to be there. Like regardless of the situation, Right. Regardless, dad, I'm in Baltimore. I have a flat tire. He's like, I dropped you off in D.C. to go to school. What are you doing in Baltimore? <laughs> right? yeah. But, you know, I'm still calling dad because he's going to answer. and He's going to tell me what I need to do, if not get on the road, road to come get me. So and could you imagine not? not oh, my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, um, you know, you really have just uh, you unpacked a lot for me. And so I hope, hopefully, um, the listeners picked a lot of stuff up. I mean, just dialing into like the, the Willie Lynch letter. I remember telling somebody at work about the Willie Lynch letter and just how us as black men can't be doing this because of that letter. And he, he thought I'd t- text the letter myself, you know, and then, uh, it, it was something else. I mean, I'm sitting here in awe myself, just listening to you a little bit. But it's it's just um it's a little amazing for me. Just listening to you just say some of the stuff um that you have said. How much did uh going Howard you think um, you know, unearthed the culture of, of you being African African American you didn't know about? Like was that I I know you touched on it a little bit with the class you took, but like did that really open up a lot of things for you? Um, when you say open up a lot of things, are you saying open up the just the uh the concept of what it means to be black, what it means to know where you come from, your roots, your heritage, your ancestry, things of that nature? Oh, oh, most definitely. Um, like even growing up in Hunting Park, uh-huh. um, and then thinking about like some of the schools that I went to, right? You don't really learn the the ins and outs of like your culture, uh-huh. right? I mean, obviously, like your parents, you know, they, they'll talk about things that they remember from their childhoods and things like that. But nothing really explains to you, 
the the society in which you live in and and how things truly operate and how some of those things came about right it's it's those classes and and some of the the literature that w- that we read that really opened my eyes and was like oh wait a minute right, right. right. um i think i missed that right because my mom has always taught me you know work hard you know make sure you take the time to study or whatever and you'll succeed not really explaining always that the system isn't necessarily design, designed mm-hmm. for you to win mm-hmm. and you know that was some of the things that I felt like I learned um, going to Howard and, and some of the courses that I took. They were, ba- but they were basically changing the game. So they were they they broke the chain. They did, mm-hmm. and then they kind of lifted you up, and you you had a strong foundation um, on that. And I don't mean to regret regress too much, but you didn't say what kind of. So I'm gonna ask you outright. What kind of degrees do you have, Janelle? (laughs) (laughs) How many degrees do you have? Uh, What are they? And yeah, yeah. So I I have a batch. My bachelor's is from Howard University. It's in psychology with a minor in business administration, and then I have a master's degree in industrial slash organizational psychology with a concentration in human resources management from LaSalle. Okay, thank Mm -hmm. you, thanks, Janelle. Let's take a minute, real quick. Beautiful. Um, Listen, I'm sorry. With those degrees, right, how much do you think this whole transaction with the COVID and working from home, how, how, to your own opinion and your own belief, how much is this going to change the workplace? How much is this going to change the minds of people, especially with the election and Biden and Kamala? How much do you think this is going to change the ideologies and the philosophies in the workplace where you don't got to wear, you know, the hair slicked down. You could be more, more you and, and more free. I'm hopeful that it, it does produce this type of atmosphere. How do you feel about that? I, I think, um, you know, work, the workforce is definitely changing. Uh-huh. Um, well, one with, um, the murder of George, George Floyd, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, that really sparked a lot, I think across, you know, all sectors. I mean, I've seen so many posts that just, um, relates to, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. So I just really hope that, you know, we continue the momentum Uh and not just, okay, this event happened, you know, now everyone's kind of focused on it and then it kind of fizzles out over time. Um, I, I mean, so far from what I've seen, I feel like, you know, there's definitely that focus there. Um, like I said, I just really hope that the momentum continues. Um, I, I also think with, like, COVID and stuff like that, um, you're just going to see probably more of a, a virtual workforce where everyone's not really going into the office daily and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think what we've learned through this is that we still can accomplish a lot and not necessarily be in the, the workplace. Right. Um, you know, we can accomplish a lot from home as well. So, I mean, I... I do think that the workplace will look different mm-hmm. once once we kind of overcome uh, the COVID, the the pandemic type stuff. And I just, like I said, really hope that the the efforts around diversity and inclusion um, continue on. One hundred percent. Hopefully, that human interaction 
becomes human interaction. You exactly. feel what I'm saying? 100%, man. Um, how, how did your, you talked a lot about your father, but how did those relationships, the relationship with your father help shape um, some of the roles in your relationships and in, in your encounters or your ideologies and um, your ideologies that you have in raising your daughter? So, um, so my dad is super charismatic and is something that, you know, I grew up watching, Mm. um, just how he works with people and how, like, he always had a friend. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, dad, um, I, something happened at the bank. He's like, all right, I got a friend. They'll be able to help you out. Or dad, um, you know, no, no matter what I asked for, right. He, he always had a friend and I think that taught me early on about building relationships and Networking. how, Oh yeah. Building, building relationships and how, um, it's important, right. It's really the, what is it? It's not what you know, but it's who, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. he really hit that home for me and just, mm-hmm. um, just really showing you like building relationships is important. And I think, uh, when it comes to Peyton and, in raising her, right, I think that's something that I would hopefully uh, be able to get across to her as well, is that, you know, re- relationships are necessary, right? Y- mm-hmm. You really need that that village. You, you need those folks. Um, and just really kind of emphasizing it's important to, to, like I said, maintain relationships because that's really going to get you to wh- where you want to go. So, Really, like I said, emphasizing it's also who you know, not what you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you waiting for the government? So let, let me, let me. I'm gonna ask you to um do something for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's diffuse this rhetoric that black girls are waiting for a hero. <laughs> and what are your thoughts um about that? And then also, can you say this to your younger self right now? Yeah, so I think um, I was fortunate, like I said, although I will always tell you that I had a two-parent upbringing. I mean, my mom really um, personifies, right? Mm -hmm. That's our word of the day. Yeah. Um, An independent woman, right? She took care of things in our house, right? She wasn't sitting there with her hand out waiting for, you know, somebody to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, if she needed to fix something, my mom had the hammer. And, I mean, if we had to, and I'm smiling I'm because. Sure she still got that hammer right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm smiling because, I mean, she used to have us doing the craziest things, right, that, you know, I wouldn't say that you will expect a man to do, but my mom would do it and just kind of being in that household, just seeing how she went out and, you know, she made her money and she did things around the house and, you know, how she achieved the things that she wanted to do. I mean, it was only natural. I feel like that I'm like, okay, I can do it too. Right. I can go out and, you know, make a living for myself. I can go out and do whatever it is I need. And I mean, I don't say that to say like, I don't need a man or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's really something completely separate Mm -hmm. and just really saying that I myself can also go out and can like contribute to society. Right. But she didn't say the government is going to save you. 
you didn't. That's not the game. Oh, okay. absolutely right. not. I just wanted to make sure. I wasn't I, I, sure because that's that's what I hear that we're that you, particularly being a black woman, mm-hmm. are waiting for the government. Oh, and I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, no, no. And maybe I, I missed that part. Sorry, in the the beginning of the question. But yeah, like there was no handouts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, my mom got up and went to work every day. Yeah, and I I know people, um, and I'm not slighting people that needed assistance because I, I I went to the corner store with um, a book of food stamps. No no shame at all. I'm not I'm not saying that, but there's there's this notion that all black people in general are waiting for the government um, to save them. And thanks for diffusing. You you did a good job at diffusing oh, okay. that um, rhetoric. Can you can you real quick? Can you give me your um, ah I want to. Can you give me your top five women that are alive that you never spoke to? The top five women. Um, I don't know that I can give you my top five. Um, give me one. <laughs> <laughs> Maya Angelou for me. Well, I, I mean, you got Maya Angelou. Like you said, Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um you met Kamala Harris before? Uh, no, okay. I mean, you right. Can, right? You can add her to the list. You can add Issa Rae to the list. I, I Issa just, Rae, yeah, yeah, I read yeah. Um, her her book not too long ago, um, and and enjoyed that. Um, I mean, I just find inspiration all over the place. Um, so, um, Minda Hearts was another uh, book that, or another author where I just uh, read her book and and really um, enjoyed that. Um, so I guess th- that's five, but okay. what I like I said, what I really wanted to just emphasize is that I, I really do find inspiration, even if it's just like a little nugget. Uh, I find it all over the place. Okay. And in all this, we didn't even touch on your side hustle. <laughs> you know, we went through the whole everything. We didn't even touch on your side hustle of real estate. Can you? Um, and I guess, yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? One second. I refuse to hear these things, witness these things, and limit it to black girl magic. And I mean that in the highest degree of, no, this is just a boss. This is a queen. And for you younger women that will go to a HBCU, the greatest thing you'll learn is about where we come from. And by nature, Africans, we're not, we're not fighters. We're astrologers. We're scientists. You go back in the history books. We created all things, algebra and so on. We're not killers by nature, right? This is something that has been taught to us and misled us. And I really just want us to redefine what black is as well. Because you you think about what a black woman is and you could turn on a TV, Instagram, and figuratively speaking, you'll see the figure of a black woman, mm-hmm. right? With, with the injections and the lips, with the, uh, the, the um, gluteus maximum, <laughs> right? Uh, surgeries. So it's like, these are the things that they used to shame black women about. Look at your butt, look at your hips, look at your lips. And then you, you look at it now, right? So I get, I love it. I love the idea of black girl magic, right? But understand the magic is not you being black. The magic is you being you. And then the blackness just makes it go. That's all it is. But we just got to redefine that. I mean, I just had to say that. I'm listening to all these things. I'm listening to Janelle speak about her mother. I, just, I didn't hear black women. This black woman. I heard, I seen a woman personify independence. I seen a woman get up. I seen a woman 
we got to get back to being human, right? Janelle just uh, she she spoke on the stats. Statistically speaking, thirty years from now, we're all going to be the same color. Literally, this is this is the stats. So so what's black then? What's black girl magic then? Or is it? Oh no, Janelle, that's not black girl magic. That's just the superhero. That's the goddess. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that's, thank you, man. That's a great point. Mike. Beautiful, man. Is I'm thank you for pointing that out. And I just think, um, as you pointed out, these mm. things are here. They mm. never left. You know, yeah. um, Janelle's mom is a little older than her. She's been here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Janelle's here. It's how it's being sold. You know, things that are being emphasized. Yeah. That's that's what we got to change around. And as, as as long as we can continue to demand it, yeah, they're going to keep feeding it to us. 100%. When we stop loving it, and when we tell them what we truly love, then they'll, then they'll start to show that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I think uh, you, you make... You make an awesome point. It's, it's not. Um, it's like you. You did all this, and you black. Oh <laughs> no! I, I'm a human. I'm, and, I'm a. I'm a person. And you're well spoken too, Janelle. You're very well spoken. You need to get your own. You need <laughs> to get your own podcast. I appreciate pressure, that. Pressure. Yes, pressure. Yes, pressure. Too, too, too much pressure. Too much. Too yeah, much. All right. <laughs> no, but if you could, yeah, yeah. If you could go ahead and touch on your um. Sure. How you feel about your side hustle? Yeah, so um, my side hustle kind of came to me really, I don't know, just I guess I'll say with the purchase of my first home at the age of 23, right? Mm -hmm. My dad kind of put it in my head like, hey, you know, you can go out there and buy a, buy a house. I'm like, huh? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And, you know, just really teaching oh, my me. My dad told me at 23. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 but but just going out there and and buying my first home um which was a duplex mm -hmm. um also by his recommendation hey mm -hmm. you know you don't really need a whole house at this point in time you can become a landlord oh mm. my goodness mm. um and 10 years later i just kind of look at it and it's like i can't believe i did this um but you know, just him really planting the seed that, hey, you know, you can go out and do this. And then helping me um, because the duplex was a fixer-upper. So he really did a lot of the work inside. Um, and then even coming to buy my second home and, you know, helping us with the work that was done here too. Um, so after, I think, going through like two – uh, renovations and I mean a lot comes along with that I'm like hmm, you know this is something that I I enjoy um, mm -hmm. I I look at the Zillow app as much as I look at Instagram mm -hmm. um, you know I I just feel like it kind of found me I didn't necessarily go looking for it mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm excited um, I am working on a project with my my family uh, so we got the family on board mm -hmm. and just really excited to see um, what's to come you know as it relates to, to real estate um, and I like how you called it like a sad hustle because um, I I do just really foresee it just continuing to be more of a side hustle okay. mm -hmm. um, moving forward but um, it is something that I just enjoy. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. You said it chose you, like kind of like my bald head. I ain't choose my bald head. My bald head chose me. So, yeah, I mean, could you? Can that's you beautiful, man. Yeah, that's just, yeah. It's only gonna be a side hustle. Yeah. No, and, that, and but that's, whatever. Like you know, and and and, and e, that's the black girl magic. 
That's the black girl magic. The the magic of the systemic racism, the cliches, the stigmas that has been placed on us, the narratives, and we keep and pushing. Still, I rise. And we keep pushing <laughs> through. We keep pushing through. Yeah, my side hustle was, you know, just what I'm buying, what I'm building. Beautiful. It's amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Janelle, anything else you want to share with the people? Um, do you have a quote that you live by? I don't know. Any good words for the people? Um, the, the only thing that um, I want to share just for our young black girls or black girl magic is just to continue being your authentic self. Mm. Beautiful. Just continue, I mean, breaking ceilings, right? Just mm. whatever it is that you're doing, just continue to press forward. Um, I mean, even though it may feel tough, there are, are young girls behind us that's looking at us and that's really um, who's going to to build on, I guess, what we're achieving today. And that's really what I want to leave us with is just, like I said, um, continuing to be our authentic selves. Thanks, Chanel. We really appreciate it. Breakthrough um, selling. Yeah, yeah. Don't reach the selling. Breakthrough. <laughs> Crack them. 100%. <laughs> Breakthrough. Mike, you got a uh, a business you want to you wanna shout out at all? Yeah, uh, Janelle. Mm-hmm. That's the business. <laughs> she is the business. And it was a trick question actually about therapy. <laughs> I think I found, a, I, I found a therapist for my trauma. I'm offloading. You're going to be on the couch before we leave. It was a setup. Oh, yeah. okay, you know, I got you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Beautiful. No, not today though. I didn't. I didn't uh, take no time out. Well, Sorry we about we, that. we got one right here. We got the Home Team Network. This is this is what this 100%. episode is uh, brought to you by the Home Team Network. Yeah, my man Reese Moss. Yeah, you wanna uh, you wanna have home court advantage all the time? Mm. Go see my man Reese. You King wanna... Davis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Home Team Network. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Hope you got some um, jewels out of all the gems that were dropped today. Mm. Um, from Mike and Janelle and myself, we here now. Uh, okay, go. Black is beautiful, shorty. Black is bold. Black is black, true, but black is gold. If God a color, I know she black for sure. Niggas blast for me, but God gave me your daughter. Black woman, I love you. Wish it all could have worked, but still know that you love me because I ain't up in the court. Yo, a lot of animals in my boat, but all the real niggas know that BGM is the goat. Celeste, go. It's your birthday. Got that ice cream. It's your birthday. Go, shorty. I'm so proud of you. Hey, how you was under nobody. Go, shorty. It's your birthday. Got that ice cream.